For two and a half years, I've been Grammar Girl, and I also founded and helped run the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network, one of the larger independent podcast networks. My name is Mignon Fogarty. My name is Lyle Troxel. This is Media Sound Off. And my name is Emerson Murray. Thanks for joining us, Mignon. You bet. Glad to be here. So how do you start doing Grammar Girl? Gosh, it, you know, it was it was my hobby. I had been producing a science podcast for about six months, um, and I got into podcasting because I love new technology, and I had been a science writer, and, you know, I heard about this new thing called podcasting that would let me go directly to listeners, and it sounded exciting, so I gave it a try and, and sort of learned the technology doing that science podcast and then was looking for something, frankly, shorter and simpler to do, and came up with the idea of doing a grammar tips podcast when I was editing technical documents and realized I see the same writing errors over and over again. So it just all sort of came together and, uh, you know, turned out much better than I'd ever imagined it would. Yeah. And what about the quick and dirty tips network? How, how did you start that? It's sort of interesting. You're sort of like a, a mini new media mogul. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I worked at internet startup in the late 90s. And so I had been, you know, an early participant in many companies. And so when I saw the success of Grammar Girl and how people really seemed to like the format, I quickly realized that, you know, it wasn't just one show, that right. the format could be adapted to a lot of different topics and that it really was the foundation for a podcasting network. And because of my past experience in startups, you know, I was sort of well suited to, to take advantage of the opportunity when it arose. You mentioned in the beginning that you help run Quick and Dirty Tips Network now. Who else runs it with you? What, what are the responsibilities? Right. Well, um, I'm, I'm the managing director, and I do a lot of the day-to-day -day operations. And then I'm also Grammar Girl, which is two sort of entirely different roles. And a lot of people who know me in one don't know me in the other. But, um, oh, back... I would say about six months after I started Grammar Girl, I started getting a lot of media attention, and ultimately that led to a partnership with Macmillan Publishing. So they are a partner in the Quick and Dirty Tips enterprise, and they handle a whole lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. They have business development people, ad sales people. They you know take care of the technology behind the website, and so they do they do a lot of work on the network as well. And Macmillan Publishing is that a pretty big publishing house? They are. They're a very large publishing house. I believe they're one of the few private publishing houses still. They're they're owned by a German family, and um, you know they're they're very interested in new media. For a publisher, you know they're very forward thinking and have been really excited about you know expanding into digital technology and seeing how digital technology and podcasting and the web and social media and how all of that can you know help them market their authors and books and, and yeah. vice versa. And now, so you're the managed director. Do you, do you hold, you know, like if you wanted to take the, the, the network and go a different route and Macmillan disagreed, would you be able to leave or is it really a partnership in the sense that they have controlling interest as well? Um, I would be able to leave if I wanted to. Um, I'm not really interested in leaving, uh -huh. but uh, you know they've been a they've been a great partner, and you know they've really helped build the quick and dirty tips enterprise. From you know I, I feel like I brought it in with a really solid start, and they've helped grow it and make it more professional. Um, you know if we decided to go different directions, we certainly could, but I, I don't really see that happening. Who who holds the copyright for the material that the network does? Is it you? 
It depends on the show, actually. I believe um, I hold the copyright to Grammar Girl, um, but the network holds the copyright to all the other shows. So because I'm a partner in the enterprise, my show is treated a little bit differently mm-hmm. than all the others. We, we compensate all our hosts, um, but because of the nature of my you know, partnership and ownership in enterprise, my show is treated a little bit differently than everyone else's. Can you talk about the other shows? What are some of the other shows? Are, are there, there's 12 other shows? There are, oh gosh, nine or ten. We're adding new shows all the time, yeah. and they're they're all fantastic. I mean, we just the Nutrition Diva is one of the newer shows we launched, and the Sacramento Bee called it the best nutrition podcast available yesterday. Oh, cool. So we're really excited about that. And um, the Public Speaker is another one of our popular new shows. Um, great about public speaking. Lisa B. Marshall is the host for that one, and. Um, you know, some of the older shows, Money Girl, The Modern Manners Guy, The Mighty Mommy, uh, Legal Lad, you know, those were shows that I had already launched before the partnership. And so oh, wow. those those have been around a long time and, and still continue to be very popular and, and just do really well. You know, we've all our shows are scripted and edited, professionally edited, and, you know, we have a sound production team. So they're very high quality um, content. You know, it doesn't waste your time. Um, you know, they're usually about five minutes, a quick tip that's delivered in a friendly way that you can use hopefully that day. So, you know, people, people who like our format seem to like a lot of our shows. How how do you pick your new shows? You know, it's, it's sort of an interesting process. We, we get pitches all the time and we consider those. Um, but we often end up, you know, you know, there are a couple of things. it's almost more about the host than it is the topic. If we find mm-hmm. just a fantastic host with a wonderful voice, we'll consider that whatever they're proposing more than we might consider something that seems like a great idea, but you know, the host just doesn't right. have the voice for it or something. And then also because of the partnership with Macmillan, it's great because they're able to look at what sells as mm-hmm. books, you right. know, so that they can oh, say, right. well, yeah. this topic, people buy a lot of books, so there are probably more people who will listen to a podcast. So we can take advantage of that market research from the book industry. How much editorial control do you have over the other shows? We have a lot of editorial control. I mean, I have final editorial say over over everything that goes out. I, I personally edit, oh, like seven or eight of the shows that go out still. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so I mean, I don't, I don't usually exercise that control. I mean, we we hire our hosts because they're great and they do a good job. So, you know, for the most part, my job is pretty easy. But if, you know, there there have been rare occasions where someone tries to make a joke and it, it turns out being more offensive than funny, you right. know, and I'll certainly cut things like that out. And, and you look at, I mean, everybody writes their work in your network first as a document, and then that gets passed around and edited, and then they read that document. That's kind of the workflow. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and it it works quite well. You know, it's it's nice because also having the transcripts on the website, you know, it helps us with search engine placement, and it it provides oh, right, something for yeah. people who don't want to listen to podcasts. They can come to our website and read the show just as easily as they can listen to it. So really, I mean, it's it's an often overlooked fact, but we've actually also built an online magazine. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and what about um, revenue uh, as far as advertising goes? Or- are you responsible? Is Macmillan responsible? Um, we do it together. Um, you know, we we have ad salespeople from Macmillan, and we also work a lot with the podcast ad brokers. Um, you know, three brokers in particular we work with: um, Raw Voice, PodTrack, and Wizard, and they bring in the majority of our ads and have for the last two years. 
So, um, you know, they're, they're great at what they do. So and it's interesting. Recently, we've, we've seen an increase in the interest in podcast advertising. You know, everyone was really worried about the economy. And just, right. in, the la- just in the last month, we've seen an increase in interest in podcast advertising. So it'll be interesting to see if that, you know, turns into actual advertisers. But the number of inquiries has gone up. And how, 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 um, how successful are the shows? What are your top three shows for downloads? Um, well, Grammar Girl is by far the, the biggest in terms mm-hmm. of downloads. And then um, probably I think Money Girl and The Modern Manners Guy are the next most popular. And, you know, I think that they're interesting topics. And also, but the shows have been around for a long time, so they've had time to grow. Right. Um, you know, our, all of our shows grow I mean, the growth rate is amazing. I think I've I, I listened to a lot of the podcasts. I, I don't say I was re, you know religiously listening to all of them, but I happen to f- feels like I hear the same advertisers on each of the shows. Even though there seems to be such a great potential um, to get advertising more specifically to the content, are you trying to get content uh, you know advertising more specifically? Or are you kind of saying here's the whole entire network for this for this week? Go ahead and place ads on it. I think we we are happiest when we can sell the entire network just because from an administrative standpoint, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we haven't had a large number of inquiries for people who want to advertise in specific shows. We've had a few, and it kind of surprises me because I do think that our shows, you know, reach certain target audiences. Yeah, they're, they're definitely diff- different. They're yeah. different. Yeah. You know? I think I think in Grammar Girl you did have an advertising for a new show, or at least you talked about a new show on Grammar Girl at one point that was about, you know, fighting crime with grammar. Oh right, Word Girl. That right. was the best fit. I was so I know, excited to have that advertiser. Um, you know, it's a, an adorable cartoon about you know Word Girl, the superhero who fights you know crime with grammar so it sounds like an alter ego for grammar girl it was it was the perfect advertiser and i I believe they were very happy um we also had mensa also um advertised in uh, grammar girl and legal lad when they had their um national testing day and Mm -hmm. i believe they were happy um yeah so can you share with us any of your numbers or how much placement costs do you, are, you, um, are you comfortable talking about share, that? Answer? I can't share how much placement costs, but I can tell you about our traffic. So, you know, we were really excited last month. Actually, we just passed the two million download mark for the entire network in one month. Wow! Um, wait, wait. So, one month you downloaded two million episodes? Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that was um, good. Go go ahead. I I was saying that that's pretty impressive. Yeah, we were thrilled. Um, we had done it before, but when uh, we did it when Grammar Girl was producing double episodes. There was a period of time where I did two episodes yeah. a week, um, and I've gone back to one episode a week to try and keep my sanity. <laughs> and um, so this was the first time we passed two million without anyone producing extra why, shows. Why do you switch to two a, m- a week? Um, you know, people, when our listeners say what they want, they always say they want more content. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, for a time, we had enough advertiser interest that it actually supported that level of production. Um, and we probably still could, but it, it's just it's just too hard to to keep that up. The what, pace what the pace was crazy. Right. What is Grammar Girl's downloads per month then right now? Um, Grammar Girl alone, I believe last month it was about eight hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, Grammar Girl is is um. You know, a, a little less than half mm-hmm. of the yeah. months. Can you talk about the writing and editing of Grammar Girl? I mean, how long does that take? 
Each episode takes about 10 hours to put together. And people are often surprised to hear that because you know, it's a five minute show. Like, how long could it really take? But, um, you know, I do a lot of research. I'm not a linguist. I'm not a grammar expert by training. I'm, I have an English degree, but, you know, I, I was a, a, you know, a writing and literature major. Not, I'm not a, a grammar expert. And so I have a, a large reference library and I do a lot of research for each of the shows. And then, you know, I go through listener questions. I pick the topic. I do the research. Then I write the episode, you know, which takes a while. And then it goes to copy editing because it has to be perfect or we try to make right, it perfect. Right. And, you know, then I record and we edit and it goes up and the whole process takes around 10 hours. It, it seems like it would take longer with all that research, but yeah. you must be a good researcher. Yeah, I mean, I have my favorite sources and I've, I've gotten much better. In the, when I first started, I would often um, start and then have to abandon a topic because it would be too complex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten a lot better at identifying topics that are appropriate for the show and not right. you know, going down dead ends. Have you ever thought of doing a longer show or an, an in-depth show? I have. Um, for a while, I did, um, I did two or three episodes of something I called Behind the Grammar. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I moved and got really busy and couldn't maintain it. And then, um, just last week or the week before I did my first video podcast. So I'm experimenting with video. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to try new things and people respond positively when we try new things. But I, I, before I commit to doing something like that, I I always want to make sure that I can continue to do it. And so far I haven't had the time. Yeah. How many, I mean, you said that you're not a linguist, um, but you're probably also not a, uh, a radio expert. So how long does it take you to actually record an episode? Do you do a lot of takes? <laughs> I do more takes than I probably wish I had to. You know, I work from a script, and yet still I, I get the timing off. It probably takes me about 20 minutes to record the five-minute show. <laughs> you know, and then I go through and delete out all the mistakes and... And, you know, and just just from a technical sense, we're asking at this point, you just start recording, you do all of it, keep on repeating the same sentence if you don't get it right, and then take that whole file and, and throw it off to somebody else? Is that how it works? Almost. So I, I read through, and if I make an error, I go back to the you know most recent pause. Yeah. And um, actually, I, I edit out my errors myself before I send it oh, to our good. sound. Okay. Yeah, I can ask him to do that. It's easier to edit out your own errors anyway because you know where they are. Okay, so recently... Emerson and I have noticed that you have a quite a bit of like a ghostwriter for Grammar Girl. And yes. first off, I, I mean, I, I want to, yeah, well, first off, why are you having other people write it? I started having guest writers when I went on my book tour. Mm. So um, oh, I wrote yeah. a Grammar Girl book for Macmillan, which launched um, in July. And the work leading up to that and then going on the book tour um, just made it impossible for me to write my own shows. And so um, I started having um, guest writers. Um, Bonnie Trango is my copy editor, so it was very easy for her to step up and start writing episodes because she was so familiar with the style. And then um, some of my other friends in the grammar business have been writing guest episodes. And actually, um, just very recently, I've started, um, I started feeling like, gosh, I don't even write anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, you know, did to get started. And that's, that's, you know, what I do. And 
So I'm, I'm in the process of rearranging my responsibilities so that I actually have more time to write my own episodes because I've really missed doing that for the last six months. Yeah. Okay. So the, the other question I had about the writing, who's writing it and stuff, is that um, I, you know, I know you as Mignon Fogarty, and I know that you do Grammar Girl, and I think of Grammar Girl as a character. And so I'm qu- the question I have is why don't you just... Why isn't Grammar Girl just writing all of them and it's a, it's a fictitious character? Do you, do, you, do you perceive yourself as Grammar Girl and then there's guest writers for you? Or do you perceive Grammar Girl as a character that you write for and other people write for? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I mean, when I started the show, I wanted Grammar Girl to be a character so that, you know, I, I can't, if it were successful, I didn't want to be in a position where the whole business depended on me. I mean, that's never a good way to set up a business. So I wanted to build a brand instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do view myself as Grammar Girl. Um, I noticed, One thing I noticed is that all our other hosts say their name in the show. You know, uh, Modern Manners Guy will say, you know, this is Trent Armstrong, the Modern Manners Guy. And I never did that. I, I very recently, just maybe a month ago, actually started saying my name in the podcast because I realized people were um, coming up to me and they would know my guest writer's name, but they wouldn't know my name. (laughs) And that seemed really odd to me. So it's a, it's a weird thing. I feel like I'm sort of grammar girl, but I'm, I'm sort of not, I'm, I'm not really sure. I've noticed you, you do a lot of Twittering and playing with social networks, different things, actually watching you, I see an idea of what's happening. Why, why do you do that stuff? Is it all marketing? Are you just a technophile? What's going on? I think it's both. Um, you know, part of it is that I work from home and I work alone most of the time. So, you know, being on Twitter is just sort of a way to reach out to a community of virtual coworkers in a way. Um, but I also, you know, I'm sure as you follow, you can see I use it for marketing. I Twitter about what I'm doing for the show or about the book or my book tour or, you know, when we launch you know, for example, yesterday we launched um, daily grammar tips um, that you can get by email. And I, you know, Twittered about that so people would know about it. So I, I find it to be a very effective way to distribute information and also just to stay in touch with, um, you know, the people. I don't know if I want to call them fans, but there are people who seem to be more interested than others in what's going on with me or the network. And it's an easy way to stay in touch with those people, too. When you record Grammar Girl, what which software do you use? I use Audacity. You know, it's free nice. and it works yeah. fine for what we're doing. Okay, are you still hand coding your RSS feeds? <laughs> I um, am not. Actually, I handed the RSS feeds over to our sound engineer, um, Dan Firearm, and it's it's easier for him to update the update the feed after he's done with the. Um, audio file, and I think that he does it by hand too. I'm not certain. Is he editing all the shows? He does. He he does the sound editing and updates the feeds for all the shows. Okay, what mixer and mic are you using? We're kind of doing the technical roundup, you know. What can, sure. What kind of mic and stuff? Yeah, I use an Alesis four-channel mixer and I use a Sennheiser mic. But um, actually, Dan just told me that there have been some great improvements in USB mics that mean you don't need a mixer anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting ready to look into that because some every once in a while I'll bump my mixer and mess up the settings and that's a real pain so i'd love to be able to not use it anymore okay so we uh really care about the kind of stuff that you're actually experiencing as somebody that creates new media so what blogs are you listening to and or what sorry what blogs are you reading and what sites do you visit frequently let's see you know i spend almost all my time on twitter and facebook 
but mostly the blogs I read are links I follow through Twitter. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I religiously read any blog. I, I'm much more likely to just click through on recommendations from my social network. How, how large of a Twitter network are you following? I follow, I think, about 1,400 people. That's a lot of content. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when I look at Twitter, I get new, uh, I see like the last five minutes of what people have posted. So there's new stuff coming across my screen constantly. Yeah. It's enough to keep me busy. So you're using, <laughs> you're using that network to decide what you read. Pretty much, yeah. And presumably that network are people that are listening to you. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess you're right. It is sort of um, circular. What do, you, what do you think about that as a way of deciding what you experience in the world? You know, sometimes I do worry that I'm missing things. I know other people read influential blogs and, and stuff like that, and I don't. But, you know, I feel like I already feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know that I could handle anymore. Yeah, for sure. And so I, I feel like the Twitter network, at least it's been screened. You know, it's sort of recommended by someone already if they take the time to post it. Um, I, I worry that Twitter's changing and that it's becoming um, less of a recommendation-based thing and more of a marketing thing, you know, mm -hmm. with people yeah. promoting their own things or having ulterior motives for posting something. But so far, it's worked very well for me that the things that I, you know, click through to are almost always really interesting and relevant to what I need to know. And the way it works, if you do start getting things that are too markety for you, you just stop following that person, right? Right, exactly. I will say there is one site that I check regularly, and it's called podcastingnews.com. Okay. And, um, you know, that's a great site to, you know, keep up with what's going on in the podcasting world. When I spoke to you in, I think, September 2007 for one of my other shows, um, you talked about how you really produced a quick audiobook collection so that after your experience with being on Oprah, you'd have something to sell. Yes. Um, are you hoping to get back on Oprah now that you've got your full book? <laughs> You know, I don't hold out great hope that I'll get back on Oprah. Um, I, I I stay in contact with a producer there. She's very nice. But, you know, I think that was a one-time thing. They happen to have a, a, a need for a grammar expert, and I don't expect that that will happen. Yeah. <laughs> <frequently>. <laughs> um, you know, if, if it did, I would hope they would think of me, but um, it's not really. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. <laughs> And what about podcasts? What other podcasts do you listen to outside the Quick and Dirty Tips Network? Mm, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, let's see. I love On the Media um, from New York Public Radio. I was I love the Slate Daily Podcast and the Slate Explainer Podcast. I listen to um, Dan Carlin's Hard Hardcore History. Oh yeah, yeah. And his other show, um, Common Sense. I, I just recently started listening to How Stuff Works. I had checked them out a long time ago, and their audio quality wasn't very good. But um, on someone's recommendation, I listened to them again, and they've really got it together now. They're fantastic. Um, that's one thing. I'm really picky. I won't listen to a show with bad audio. Yeah. It just drives me crazy. All right. Um, and do you read newspapers? Do you watch TV? Do you do radio? <laughs> I don't watch a lot of TV. I read um, news online a lot. Mm -hmm. I read, you know, I, I read a ton of online news. Mm -hmm. And um, I read a lot of magazines. I love magazines. I, you know, Time, Newsweek. Okay, and, and, and Emerson kind of jumped, I mean, didn't ask directly, so I'll ask directly. Do you listen to all of your network's podcasts every week? 
Oh, <laughs> you know, actually, I don't because I've read them all. Ah, okay. <laughs> so I <laughs> read fair. them all. You and then, <laughs> yeah. Um, right. yeah. <laughs> well, Mignon, thank you so much for being on Media Sound Off with us. Oh, you bet. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. My name is Emerson Murray. I'm Lyle Troxell. You can learn all about Mignon Fogarty's network, quickanddirtytips.com, and of course you can go to our website, mediasoundoff.com. Thank you very much.